Father, thank you for those words, for your word. I do ask for the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who anointed and filled Jesus, that he would come and anoint me, enable me to share your word with your people whom you love, whom you want to feed with your word. May that be true this morning, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Let's just talk about sailing for a minute. In order to sail, you need to know which direction the wind is blowing, if you know about sailing. So you can angle the boat just right so that the force of the wind works together with the opposing force of the water and projects the the sailboat forward. And to figure out which way the wind is blowing, you can do that a number of ways. You can buy a mechanical device, or you can just look at the waves, where they're coming from, or you can feel the wind on your face, or you can use a weather vane or a wind vane. That's what you see on, on buildings and houses sometimes. So to sail, you need something like a, a, a weather vane, wind vane, just to know the direction of the wind. And to live in the fullest sense of the word, we need something like a spiritual weather vane, wind vane, so that we know what, what direction does the wind of the Holy Spirit blow. So we can angle our, our lives just right in light of that, so that we don't get capsized, we don't get shipwrecked, but we know how to angle our our lives into the Holy Spirit so that with that we can be propelled into the abundant life of the Spirit. It's important to know. So we've been asking, again, we're going to do for a couple more Sundays before we switch into a new series. We've been asking who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? We could be asking which direction does he blow in? And the best way to answer that question, the most definitive way we can answer that question, is by looking at the life of Jesus Christ. There is no one who has been more spirit-filled, spirit-led than Jesus Christ. So he is something like a spiritual weather vane, wind wind vane, for us. So in his birth, in his life, in his teaching, in his death and resurrection, he shows us the general direction of the Spirit of God. And in particular, the, the second breath of the Spirit of God that we've been talking about. So that again, we know how to angle our lives best and to be propelled into the life with the Spirit. Now, certainly when it comes to the Spirit, there's much that is beyond our grasp. There is much that is going to surprise us in life with the Spirit, as Jesus emphasized in John 3. But in Christ, we get to see the general direction, what the Spirit ultimately does in us and with us and to us, what he first did in Christ, and then what he also wants to do in us as his followers. 
Our New Testament reading tells us, commands us to test the spirits. There's one, more than one spirit blowing in the wind. And that really complicates things because not every spirit is from God. There's a lot of spirits, or we could say spiritualities, out there. Uh, in the past, people used to talk about being religious or being part of a religion. And now people are more talking about being spiritual or having a particular spirituality. And I would want to argue everybody, the most secular person, has a spirituality, a way of being in the world. We all do. And one spirituality might, one way of being might be to try to escape from this material world, this broken world, understandably. A lot of ancient religion is about that, trying to escape this and get into a place where we're free from it because it's, there's no hope of it being redeemed. The hope is to get out of it. Another spirituality might seek to dominate and take it by force, this world, like what we're seeing in Afghanistan. Another might seek to engage and heal this world we live in and the people in it. And we're told to test these spirits, these spiritualities, as we encounter them in philosophies, in religions, in the news, in novels, in music, in advertisements, in conversations we have, in the people we relate to, in our own life. Test the spirits. Test the spiritualities. And John says, test them to see whether they are from God. Not just to be critical, not just to be the smartest person in the room, but to see if they are from God, of God. Because as he says, many false prophets, messengers, teachers have gone out into the world. And that's not just true when John wrote this. It's true today. There are a lot of spiritualities out there we encounter all the time. And we need discernment to test them, to see if they're of God or not. And what John gives us, he's not some vague, no-name human opinion. He gives us a concrete standard from God. By this, you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's the direction of the Spirit, Jesus Christ, come in the flesh. Spiritualities that confess that, that are in line with that, are from God, are blowing in the same direction as the Spirit of God. This has been called incarnational spirituality. Incarnation means in flesh, enfleshed. It means, first of all, Jesus come in the flesh, incarnation. It means the divine Son of God leaving his heavenly throne to enter our world to take on a human body, to love us, to heal us, to be with us and one of us. But notice that movement from the heavenly realm to the earthly realm. That's the direction of the Spirit of God. That's quite different than other 
spiritualities, sometimes the exact opposite. This is what Charles Taylor calls a spirituality of excarnation, coming out of the flesh. Some ancient examples of this are Platonism and its more extreme form, Gnosticism. Platonic spirituality longs to ascend, longs to get out of this material, messed up world and go to the realm of the forms. Again, understandably. And uh, the basic idea, yeah, is to get away from what is changing, what is suffering, and to go into that realm where there is not that, where it's changeless, it's eternal. And there's some modern forms along the line that have, have been like this, in line with this idealism, rationalism, or just when we ourselves are in, staying in the realm of ideas and we just relate to each other as brains on a stick instead of embodied creatures. Gnostic spirituality was basically Platonism on steroids. So where in Platonism, the, the material world is just a lesser, uh, a less desirable reality. It's on the fringes. In Gnosticism, it was just downright evil. God had nothing to do with it. And so the best thing was to escape it, of course. And you could do whatever you want in the material world because it didn't matter. God didn't care or love the world. So what's interesting here is this sexuality. There were no sexual boundaries with Gnosticism because the body didn't really matter. Well, the, the antichrists that, you, that are mentioned in the Gospel of John are somewhere between Platonism and Gnosticism. Full-blown Gnosticism wasn't quite on the scene yet. So what, what we're dealing with here is some, somewhere in between. And there's a number of assumptions in this philosophy and these spiritualities that I think people still have today, like God would never leave the unchanging world of the forms of a heavenly spiritual realm and come into our messy changing realm. God would never do such a thing. He would never do something so humble, so loving. That was one of the assumptions at work. You know, the testimony of the church and of the Holy Spirit is, he is just that. The testimony of the church and the Holy Spirit is that God is love. And he is so much love that he came in Christ into the flesh, into our flesh. And more than that, he came into the flesh through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, again, the one who gave Jesus his human body, conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who anointed Jesus and his body at his baptism for life and ministry. He's the one who anointed him and gave him power to heal other people's bodies. The Holy Spirit, in Hebrews 19, tells us Jesus offered up his human body on the cross through the eternal spirit. Romans 8 tells us it was the spirit who raised the human body of Jesus from the dead. Put another way, without the Holy Spirit, Jesus would never have taken on human flesh, would never have preached like he did, 
He would never have healed bodies like he did. He would never have gone to the cross or risen from the dead. Jesus would not be Jesus as we know him without the Holy Spirit in a very profound way. That takes us to our gospel reading in Luke. Right before our gospel reading, Jesus was baptized with water and the Holy Spirit. And then you have this long genealogy that starts with Joseph and ends with Adam, who's also called the Son of God. And then we have Jesus, like Adam in Genesis, being tempted by the devil. Very similar scenario. And yet, there's some important differences between these two. So Adam, of course, along with Eve, are tempted in the garden in this ideal environment. Right? And they fail. And here is Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, a place of deprivation and danger. And he overcomes, unlike Adam and Eve, unlike Israel. And what clue does Luke give us as to how Jesus overcame in the desert, in the wilderness? says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, where he was baptized by the Spirit, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Then after Jesus overcomes every temptation, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside which is the kind of thing that happens when people are filled and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit in this world, in in this flesh. Jesus, who was tempted in every way as we are, as Hebrews says, was able to resist that temptation, not just because he was the divine son of God, but that because he was filled and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit in our very humanity. I think we get a lot of times thinking, once this particular thing changes, once I get in this ideal environment that I can imagine, then I'm going to be able to stop saying no to this particular temptation I never say no to. Then I'm going to start living for God the way I should. No, that never happens, only up here. The only way you say no to temptation like Jesus did, the only way you live for God like Jesus did, is if you are filled and led and empowered by the same Holy Spirit that filled and led and empowered him. Who's the Holy Spirit? What does he do? He is the Spirit of Christ, come in the flesh, who enables us to overcome temptation even in the wilderness, even when we're deprived, even when it's dangerous. Those in Haiti, those in Afghanistan, they are in a wilderness. They are facing new temptations they have probably never faced before. We need to pray that they hear about Jesus Christ, 
who overcame even in the wilderness. And that they can receive the same Holy Spirit where they are and overcome like he did and live for God even in their situation. The Spirit who enables us to live and love like Christ. And a living and a loving that is very down to earth. Jesus came in the flesh, down to earth. And he came, he said, eating and drinking. Very human. Eating, especially with those who are on the margins, who are neglected. He'd be eating with the refugees, is what he would be doing. If he wasn't at a meal, if he wasn't coming from a meal, he was going to one. That's the kind of thing he did. He healed people's bodies. He cleaned people's feet. Promised new bodies. His spirituality, the spirituality of the Holy Spirit, is very down to earth. And he did teach us to pray, Our Father, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. See the movement there again. That's the movement of the Bible. That's the movement of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus Christ. Translating heavenly life into earthly life. That's what the the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit are. They are expressions of the life of God in human form, in human community. That is what the life of God is supposed to look like in a human community. But of course, who first displayed the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit in their truest and fullest form? It was Jesus Christ, as we read about in the Gospels. The gifts and the fruit of the Spirit are basically the works and the ways of Jesus, the Holy Spirit first expressed in him, and then expresses again in us through him. And our greatest purpose is simply just to behold that first. Behold how Jesus did that in the Spirit. What he did. How he, in the Spirit, led and taught and preached and healed and cleaned feet and died on the cross. How he did that and how he did that in the fruit of the Spirit with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. That all first happened in Jesus. He's the model of all that for us. And our greatest purpose is to first behold that in him and in wonder and worship, and then to live and love by that same spirit, to live Christ-like lives to the glory of God. And next week, we're going to look at more how that actually happens with the spirit, how the spirit does that transformation in us. Now, you could get the wrong idea from this sermon that, you know what, Jesus is just simply a great example for us. He's the ultimate example, maybe, of a spirit-filled, spirit-led life that we're to imitate. And I am saying something of that, but I'm saying he's not just that. (laughs) He is more than that. He is the divine Son of God. He's the Savior of the world who came to forgive us and reconcile us and switch back the human race to God. But part of that switching back is giving us an example of what 
a spirit-filled, spirit-led life actually looks like on planet Earth. And with that, we have something very helpful in discerning the different spiritualities out there, the different spirits, our own spirit, our own spirituality. So read the Gospels and test the spirits to see if they contradict or correspond to the spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered life of Jesus. He's our spiritual weather vane. He shows us the way of the spirit. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us ways to discern the spirits, the spiritualities, our own spiritual life before you. Help us in this. Help us to discern. Help us to see what you first did in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And then through his redemption, what the Holy Spirit can do in us by that same Spirit. May it be so, in Jesus' name. Amen.